one, coast to coast, peanut butter and toast. Probing in the lane, fading away, whoopsie doo, don't mind if I do. In transition, denied by Hoy Lean. DeCam says, give me that, a pick two for Northwestern. Spot of three on the way, bang for Noah and the Erickson center erupts. Spread the love around, corner, pocket, cash for Lund. It's been a long, long wait, but we are finally here. The month of November has finally come, and we are so looking forward to games finally getting underway. And we have one more conversation with a head coach in the UMAC before those games officially begin, talking with the head men's basketball coach at Bethany Lutheran College, Pat Garvin, joining us once again. Coach, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me. And uh, it, uh, like you said, it's a, it's an exciting time of year. And anytime the, the calendar hits November, uh, I think we all get a little more excited. So it's uh, it's great to be on here, and it's a great time of year. We will talk plenty about your squad this year and what your thoughts have been in the first chunk of practices, Coach. But first, just want to hear, like we have from, from all the coaches we've talked to so far this offseason, what do you do to pass the time from when the season ends last year to now where we get to – Maybe a couple weeks ago, before practices started, we know that you're a dad of a of a young child, and you got plenty of other things going. But how do you pass the time, if you will, and what do you enjoy doing in the off season? Yeah, well, you hit the uh, you hit the nail on the head. As obviously being a dad, so I don't sleep a lot right now with a one year old. Uh, with that, but didn't didn't get a lot of sleep in the off season for, from that standpoint. But I uh, know I uh, try to. Minnesota guy in the in the uh, in the summertime, try to be outside as much as possible. Uh, with that, I'm a big golfer, uh, so I, I love trying to uh, play some golf in the uh, in the summer. Find a way to get on the lake and uh, enjoy, like I said, enjoy the outdoor weather. And, uh, with that, my uh, my wife and I and daughter rented a cabin over the Fourth of July up in northern Minnesota, so that was a nice uh, nice getaway to kind of get um, you know put the phone away and get away from some things for a few days and hang hang out on the lake and um, with that. And then obviously you intermix. Uh, some recruiting and recruiting trips in, in, in with that as well. And, and the summer seems to find a way to, to fly by, but it was, a, it was a good off season. And, uh, but like we talked about, it's, it's, it's fun to be in November here now too. Yeah. Coach, you mentioned, you know, you had an opportunity to put the phone away a few days and get away from it all. I suppose it is kind of tough though, to completely get away from it. Do you ever find yourself like completely in that state? Or are you always kind of thinking about, it? I mean, recruiting's a very big toll in the off season. So it's a very demanding job. Do you, uh, do you enjoy that part of it in a sense as well that, you know, you're doing something that you love or is it tough to get away from in the off season, even though you maybe try to, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely tough. Uh, there's there's some there's some times I struggle with that balance a little bit. I'm probably I'm a lot better now than I was when uh, still a young coach, but in my early days of coaching uh, with that, so I, I think I like to think I'm a little better now with that, and so I am a, I am able to get away um, from things and, and put the phone away uh, with that. But I'm also a guy that enjoys busy you know so uh that so i don't uh i love my job i love what i get to do i love the fact that it keeps me really busy uh and uh at all times of year and and staying connected to our guys in the summertime and, and obviously recruiting like you said 
uh, that, but you do have to find that kind of work-life balance. Uh, but that's one thing having a daughter, like I said, having a one-year-old daughter, that's, that's really helped. She puts things in perspective in a hurry for you. And, and, uh, and obviously you want to spend as much time with her as you can and be present, uh, with her. So, um, like I said, it's something I'm probably a lot better than, than I was before, uh, but still could definitely improve in. Coach, want to now take you back to what UMAC fans last saw from your squad when we look back to the end of February from this past season, and you guys get to host that playoff game against UW Superior in the in the opening round, and just an absolute battle between your club and Co- Coach Polkowski's club, and you guys are able to come out on top and make some big plays late in that one, and then. You move on to going at Northwestern on that Friday night. And I, I honestly, I mean, being in the building, I think you guys were ready to roll and you had a really good start. And, you know, as well as anyone, that Northwestern's a tough opponent. And, and I'm sure it was really difficult to end your season. And then also with, you know, guys we think of Brian Smith and Kyrie Mayfield and a guy like Malinkovich. No one's ever played more games in Bethany history than him. And to see all those guys' careers end, my long roundabout way is asking this question of what do you remember about that week ending last season and how did you grow and learn as a coach from both of those results in one week where you had two really well-fought battles against two high-quality clubs in this league? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, the first round game was, was an absolute battle, which we knew it would be uh, that. And so it was, it was fun to come out on top and, um, you know, with that, and then you go, you go play North, an extremely good Northwestern team. Uh, and you know, the hardest part is obviously you're competitive. You want to win. Everyone wants to, wants to win championships or, you know, play in the championship game and have that shot to go to the NCAA tournament. But the hardest part is, is a coach is like, like what you touched on is it kind of hits you when that clock hits zero, that like, you don't get to coach Brian Smith again and Kyrie Mayfield and, and Jared and Jacob Malinkovich and, and guys like that, all of a sudden it, you're just, you're still connected to them, but it's going to be a different going forward. And that's the, that's the hardest part about those season ending losses is uh, your locker room's never going to be the same, right? Your rosters are always changing and, and there's guys that you don't get, to, you've just spent the last six months basically every day with, and now you don't get to do that. And, and that's, that's the hard part of those season ending losses. And, and that was an extremely fun group uh, with that. We had a lot of seniors. We had a lot of guys that had won a lot of college basketball games in their careers. And, uh, like you said, had played in a lot of college basketball games and played and won in a lot of big games. Um, and so that was, it was tough for them. It was tough for me as a coach. And, uh, but that's the reality of, of athletics. And uh, like I said, it was, it was a really fun group. It was a fun year. Uh, we played in some absolute battles. We, we found a way to, to win some close games, but we lost too many close games. If you reflect back uh, on our year and lost too many games with leads in the second half and stuff, but um, it was a really, really fun group to go to, to go to battle with and go to work with every day. And um, as a coach, you can, you can be proud of that and the type of guys we had in our program. And um, we, we were happy with that. Yeah. So speaking of those guys, coach, and you maybe don't even know yet, I guess, but how do you go about trying to replace so much of what they meant to your program and just what they were able to bring? And I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of games, a lot of minutes that don't return this year. And a lot of guys, like you said, that were just great in the locker room, great to be around. So are you still trying to maybe piece that together and figure that out now that practices have started and kind of piece it together this year? Yeah, 100%. You know, it's uh, like I said, your locker room is never the same. It changes. Um, you know, we had 
but your roles are always changing. Even within that group, guys' roles were different, uh, you know, throughout their careers, getting different throughout the year. You always have injuries and, and things. So your, your locker room's constantly changing. Roles are, are constantly changing. Um, you know, we do, we do have some guys back that have had a lot of experience as well. So it's nice to have some veterans and, but we do, we got, we have a lot of new faces uh, on this, uh, on this team and uh, which is an exciting challenge in its own right. Right. Last year we had a lot of returners. And so that was exciting. Uh, we kind of knew what we had this year. There's a lot of new faces as I look around the circle and, and uh, we try to build this day by day. And, uh, but that's been fun. And we do, we do, we have another group that I'm, um, I'm proud of. I'm really, they've been really fun to work with so far. And I think they continue to be, uh, we have a hungry group, which I think every coach will tell you that right now, this time of year, everybody's hungry. So um, we'll see how we can continue to stay hungry and continue to build it. Each coach that we've uh, connected with so far this offseason that White and I have talked to, we always like to get their gauge on this new wrench in college basketball. It's it's evident in the UMAC as well, and it feels like it's getting more and more awareness if you will if you want to put it that way and it's the transfer portal is what I'm talking about and we know it specifically impacted your program and that you guys as a coaching staff have looked at it and utilized it and that people around the UMAC who watch your club this year are going to look on the floor and they're going to say I recognize those guys but I kind of want to know how they got here so I, I just want to lay it out for you coach and kind of take us inside for what you are willing to share about your viewpoint of the transfer portal and then specifically what you and your staff chose to do in adding through that and what factor that that will be for your team this upcoming season. Yeah, I think you there was a key term you used in there, awareness. Uh, the transfer portal has brought a big awareness to transfers, right? The transfers have been happening for a long time. Uh, the portal has just kind of made it more public, right. And, and, uh, more out there. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to say transfers were ever like taboo, but there used to be kind of a stigma maybe around transfers. If you're talking, you know, uh, when I played or early coaching days and stuff, it was, it, it was a different thing than it is now. And I think the transfer portal has just made it more public. I think, uh, the student athletes know what the portal is. They know how it works now. Uh, you know, it, obviously at the division one level, everything then, just continues to trickle down uh, with that. And I think, you know, ultimately I think the transfer portal is a good thing uh, with that. I think a lot of rules in, in college basketball and college athletics can be manipulated and made a bad thing uh, with that. If you don't do things the right way, or if you're tampering or if you're doing different things like that, uh, then, then it becomes the wild, wild west. And, and, and that's not what the transfer portal and what we want for college athletics. Uh, but ultimately I think if you use the transfer portal in the right way, and if the student athlete uses it in the right way, it is a good thing uh, with that. Because, again, transfers, transfers have been happening for a long time. You know, I, I remember when I played, uh, you know, one of the best players in, in, in the UMAC on another school had transferred from Bethany. You know, so it, it's been going on for a while and um, it's going to continue. And, and then to the second part of your question, I think as a coach, uh, like always, you, you have to adjust and adapt. And the portal's here to stay. So I think you have to find a way for it to be advantageous for your, for your program. Um, and it was one of those deals we, we've talked about already that, you know, we lost a lot from last year team. You know, we, at times we started four seniors last year. And so for us to be able to continue to try to stay competitive, uh, our job is to recruit talent and whether that's going through the high school ranks, whether that's going, looking at junior colleges, 
uh, or whether that's looking through the transfer portal. Uh, that's kind of how we attacked our recruiting classes last year. We, we explored all avenues, uh, just like we will every year. We did two years ago as well. We looked at all avenues, even with a lot of guys coming back. You're always still – everybody's trying to find the best talent, the best pieces that fit your program. And, uh, you know, we, we were very happy with a lot of the freshmen we got. We we're very happy with a lot of the transfers we got as well. And it's, it's – uh, now you got to piece it all together, right? Uh, that that's that's the hardest part of recruiting. Is uh, sometimes you can trick yourself into thinking it looks really good on paper, and then you get on the floor, you got to figure it out. And uh, we're still in that process of, of building it and uh, and figuring some things out with a lot of new faces. I like that phrase that you use there, coach, piecing it together. And I think that's the beauty of college basketball, and that goes from you know high level Division One all the way to Division Three, and what we see in the UMAC, which to be clear is still high level basketball. It's so many different ways that a coach can decide how do I want to put together this roster I mean why didn't I have referenced it before we know you follow division one a guy like Ben Johnson comes into Minnesota and a bunch of guys leave because they're Patino guys and how do you fill this roster well you had to use the transfer portal and so there's no perfect way to do it but if you'd be willing to touch on it for your squad specifically this season when you lose two big pieces specifically I think about at the guard position who played next to each other so often in Brian and Kyrie and the two guys that you bring in, and I know, like you said, you're, you're still practicing, you're still trying to figure it out, but Mason Ackley and Xavier Patterson, can they do potentially something similar to Kyrie and Brian once you get into the season? Do you believe that their skill set could be similar? Because I look back at our conversation we had last year, you guys have been known to push the ball down the floor, push the pace, put the defense on skates a little bit, and play with some pace. Is that a conversation that you and your staff have when you look at these guys and say, okay, obviously they're not going to be a clean, exact replacement for Brian and Kyrie, but can they do some similar things to what those two guys did? Yeah, I mean, that's that that's the hope, right? And obviously those two those guys are different players than, than Brian and Kyrie. Uh, Mason and X are, are extremely talented players, just like Brian and Kyrie, but they're different. And, and so, um, you know, I think overall our system and style is going gonna, is gonna to look very similar um but as a coach when your roster changes you have to change different things how you do you you know we were very uh you know those two brian and Kyrie, were electric in the backcourt and brian had a special special senior season and really special last two years uh in a bethany uniform and uh his whole bethany career was special but he was he really turned it on his last couple years and uh you know you're you're probably not going to replace that by one guy right And, and things and so uh you're going to find some different ways to try to attack offensively and, and, and different things. And, um, you know, but we, yeah, we recruited, we recruited Mason and X and, and other transfers to be impact guys, you know, and uh, that what their role is going to be is still, is still getting figured out and how they fit into our system and, and things like that is still, still getting ironed out um, that, but like, like you said, it's not going to be an exact replica, but we're still going to be an up-tempo team. We're still going to try to push the basketball uh, and, and still have that attacking mindset. Um, you know, it's just going to be a little different than uh, having Brian. You know, I, I forget his stats now. It was like eighteen and seven, something like that. So, you know, that's uh, that that was pretty that was pretty nice to have. He made me look good a lot of nights, uh, which isn't always easy to do. So, uh, it's uh, you know, those guys are those guys are Mason and X are going to be good players for us, but they're going to they're going to be different than guys we had last year. 
Say, Coach, where do you look for inspiration? Like, what kind of coaches do you like to look to, or what are some of your favorite coaches, whether it was when you were younger in your coaching career? Maybe there's coaches you still stay in touch with now. Maybe they're at the Division One level. Who, who do you like to look to and kind of look at for advice and just, like, inspiration and, like, coaches that really are up at the top of the list for you, I guess? Yeah. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I was, I was a huge North Carolina fan, uh, as a kid and like high school, college. Um, and, and so Roy Williams was always a guy that I, I loved. And so, you know, you talk up tempo, obviously he was, he was a big transition guy, uh, with that. I, I don't know Roy, uh, or anything like that, but I was, from the outside, uh, watching him coach, I always enjoyed how his teams played. Um, you know, always seemed to have a really good point guard and obviously the point guard's an extremely important position that I, Love having good point guards, and so he uh, that would that would be a guy. Him and Brad Stevens, as far as guys I don't really know, uh, you know, are guys that I've always followed. Obviously, he, Brad now in the Brad Stevens is now in the front office and things, but I loved what he obviously was about at Butler and, and even at Bot with the Celtics coaching. Uh, so those are two guys that um, I've always tried to tried to follow a little bit from that standpoint. And um, you know, coaches I know, obviously, when, when I was an assistant coach as a GA, my second year coaching, I, I worked under Matt Margaret Taylor at Minnesota State uh, here here in Mankato, and, and he's been huge for my career. You know, I, he took me on as a GA, um, helped me get a job out of there down in Arizona to stay in the business uh, with that. And then was, I was fortunate enough that he, he uh, hired me back as, as a full-time guy uh, when I was down in Arizona. And so... Um, you know, made a couple NCAA tournaments with him. We made a sweet 16 run, uh, you know, him and I still talk weekly, uh, and hang out in the summertime a lot and things. And, uh, he's just been, that whole staff has been huge for my career. And, uh, you know, when I was his assistant coach and I applied for the Bethany job, he called the, the, the president and the AD over here at Bethany and, and recommended me and wanted me to go for the job. And, um, I'll be forever thankful for that and indebted to that because he, uh, like I said, he gave me a start in coaching basically. And then now he's helped me kind of every step along the way and, and uh you know we do a lot of a lot of things that they do over there mike shot uh, his associate head coach they've been together i think like 21 years uh with that so working with those two guys every day uh with that and now being able to still coach in the same town as them has been really fun and they've, they've really helped me along my uh my career path i want to circle back to to something that you mentioned a little earlier coach and something that you actually referenced a few times the last time we talked as well and that is the game of golf and you mentioned it's it's a hobby of yours in the off season when you do get out and play give give wide and i and our listeners an idea what what's your game like you, you're a big hitter off the tee really good around the greens i mean what what is coach garvin's game like when you get out on the course <laughs> well like like a lot of golfers that probably depends on the day uh with things but i'm a lefty uh so it's uh, every lefty just got that little unique swing to it uh so um, the, my strong suit of my golf game is I can putt. I'm usually pretty, I might be a little erratic off the tee. Um, so if you can get me on a course that you don't have to hit fairways, I'll, I'll be all right for you. And then, uh, if we're, if we're in a scramble, I'll be your putter, uh, for you. So I can, I can usually drain some putts, but, uh, yeah, I love golf. I love watching it on TV. It's, uh, it's awesome. I, I try to walk as many rounds as I can. It's, uh, um, matter of fact, when I was an assistant at MSU, uh, the head wrestling coach over there, Jim McCoskey. And I would basically sunrise, whatever time the sun was getting up in the morning, him and him and I would be on the first tee at the golf course in Mankato here. Uh, and we'd walk 18 holes and you're usually done about eight thirty, nine o'clock then in the summer. And then you, then you head into the office for the day. And uh, we did that for about two, three straight summers uh, that we don't do it as much often as often now, but we still get out there and 
Um, so that's, that was always a good escape and, uh, and him and I had a great relationship and he's been a long time wrestling coach there at MSU. But, uh, so that's the best way to summarize my game is I, I love to play. It's pretty erratic, but I, I can usually drain some putts. You sound pretty dedicated coach. Uh, that, that is very impressive. And, uh, my, my up to that is, and you kind of already mentioned that you like watching it on TV. And so I'm sure you do follow professional golf. So I have to ask you. What is your take on the PGA Tour versus Live Golf? Can Live survive much longer? Are you on the side of the tour where you want them to take down Live? I mean, where is this going to go in the next six to eight months? What's going to happen? It is going to be interesting to see what happens. I am uh, right now. I would say I'm in the corner of the PGA Tour. I'm a I'm a historian, if you would, I guess, from that standpoint. I don't. I want to see guys win majors and Ryder Cups and and things. Uh, the live, I understand why some of those guys have taken that money, not to get political. I, the, when you get offered that kind of money, it's, it's, it would be hard to say no. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, but I'm definitely in the corner of the PGA Tour where I, I want to see guys, I want to see the best players competing in the majors and, and on every weekend and things. And the live has taken away from that a little bit. So, uh, and so, and I'm a diehard Tiger guy. Tiger's a Tiger's a PGA Tour guy. So I'm, I'm going to stay. Uh, even though I'm a lefty, I'm not a, I'm not a Phil guy. So I'm a, I'm a diehard Tiger guy, and he's a P, he's on the back end of the PGA, so I'm going to stay on that side for now. Yeah, I can respect that. appreciate that. So uh, I'll take us back onto the basketball court here. Is there a particular stretch coming up this year? Maybe it's before you hit conference play as you get ready for the start of game starting next week where you look at this part of your schedule and you're already thinking to yourself, okay, this is where – we're going to kind of figure out what we're made of. Is there a stretch in the non-conference you're excited for? What's it kind of look like for you this year with the schedule? Yeah, you know, um, I don't know if it's a stretch that we'll figure it out, but these these first four games, um, and we did this on purpose as a staff, we figured, you know, you do your schedule a year or so in advance, but we figured when we were making the schedule that we'd have a lot of new guys. And so we wanted to get on the road early. Um, and, and so you can spend some time in hotels. So we're actually... Our first two games uh, next weekend, next Friday, Saturday, uh, we're in Milwaukee for two games and uh, play two good teams out there uh, in MSOE and WLC. Um, and then the following weekend, we go down to Chicago and, and play two games down there. So we're going to be on the road a little bit and uh, probably too many hours in the bus. But uh, I'm excited from the from the standpoint of some team bonding, getting together, knowing, getting to know each other and growing as a family, uh, I think could, could be really good for us. Uh, to, like I said, cause we, we do, we have a lot of new faces. And so, um, I don't, I don't know if we'll have our, we'll have everything figured out in those first four games, but I'm excited to see us grow in those couple of weeks of, uh, of a lot of travel in, in, in four games in the first two weeks before our home opener in that week three. And, and so, um, hopefully we have some things figured out by that home opener, maybe. <laughs> You mentioned a little bit earlier, Coach, that, you know, obviously it's a, it's a new group. It's a way different group. There's going to be different leaders that are going to emerge on this team. But Wyden and I are fascinated to hear from coaches when a season does end and you work into the offseason, how quickly do you watch back the tape from your, your last game or your last two games and doing that self-scouting? And, you know, going back to what you mentioned earlier about how you guys – held a lead in a lot of second halves where you were able to come up with a lot of tight wins, but there's also some that went by the wayside where you're saying what maybe went wrong in that type of a game. Is there something specifically early in the season? I know we got, you know, a buildup and you got new guys in, in the group, but that could make a difference when you look at your squad and you say, if we're 
you know, under the 10 minute mark and we got a five plus point lead, how do we close out teams? What is something as a coaching staff that you want to take the next step to in finishing games this year? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good question. Yeah. um, That is that, that was the number one thing I tried to self scout uh, this summer was just kind of what happened. It seemed like we had a, you know, a handful of games where we'd go on some scoring lulls. Uh, particularly in the second half. And oddly enough, it, it, it seemed to happen at home a couple times too. And, and uh, so it was kind of just trying to, and, and sometimes basketball, we, as coaches, we overthink it. Sometimes you get the same shots you got the first 20 minutes, you just happen to be making them the first 20. And whether they were, you, so you have to be really, you can't judge the result. You have to go, okay, is that a shot we want? And is that a shot we want for 40 minutes? And if it is, then then you have to live with what happens. And so that's what you really have to focus on. Um, you know, I think for us and this year's team, one thing we're trying to do and we'll continue to do, especially as we get closer to games here, is, is just drilling more situational stuff, uh, you know, and just making sure we're all on the same page. We could be out of timeouts. So the five guys that are on the floor, or if we sub somebody in, making sure we're all on that same page down the stretch, uh, whether it's offensively or defensively, whatever we're running, how we're going to guard a ball screen late or how can we get a quick two for one, different things like that, um, where we're just going to try to drill those situations a little bit more in practice. So it kind of becomes hopefully kind of second nature, or at least we're all on the same page uh, in those big moments down the stretch. And then, um, and just continue to grow and watch film of, of, uh, of things that we do down the stretch. And, and hopefully the ball bounces our way a little bit. Say, Coach, I don't know if it was because of COVID, but it seems like coming into this year now, uh, a lot of guys aren't coming back all around the UMAC in general. A lot of good players are moving on. You can look at every single program and realize that. But do you feel that it's a new era almost for UMAC basketball and that it's more not necessarily even just balanced, but I feel like there's a lot of teams we just don't know a lot about coming into this year and it's going to be exciting and a lot could happen. Do you agree with that? And do you think that's good for the conference as a whole? I think it's great. I think it's great for the conference. You know, I think, um, you know, UMAC is just, it continues to get better and better. Um, Obviously, having played in the UMAC and just, you know, following from afar over, over my early coaching days and stuff uh, and to where it's at now. Um, I think it's deeper. I mean, I, I think I thought the league was really good last year. Uh, and I think you saw that on, on the court as far as just, there was so many games that were really close. And obviously we were involved in a lot of close games, but there was a lot of close games throughout the league, you know, and, and, uh, and that, I think that's great for the league. You want, you want to have eight good programs in, in your league and, make it competitive and have teams that are competitive in the non-conference. And, uh, you know, I think we really have that right now. And, uh, and so I'm, um, I think it's great for our league. Um, you know, I think there is, there is, there's a lot of new faces in other, uh, uh, and truthfully, I don't, I don't even actually really know. I know we did the, we, we the coaches put together their preseason stuff that you, you look at and then vote in the preseason poll and stuff. Um, so you get a little feel for, for who's on whose roster, but, um, with us not having conference games until December, you have plenty of time to kind of figure out who's who's on whose rosters and who's new guys, uh, uh, you know, freshmen and transfers that are playing for everybody and, and things. And uh, you know, I I know I know Crown has a lot back. I think basically everybody back. Uh, yeah, that's so um, it's kind of that blend of, of, of some returners and some programs and, and some new faces elsewhere. And um, but overall, I think the UMAC's in a really good spot right now. And um, 
you know, I think there's good depth. And then the top of the league, obviously, you look at, and Northwestern goes and uh, gives Panoma Pitts everything they got in the first round. And, and uh, you know, could he, that's a, a coin flip game down the stretch that could have all of a sudden UMAC gets another win in the NCAA tournament. And you never know what happens in, in the second round for them as well. And so um, that's exciting to see as well for, for them and, um, you know, representing our league in the NCAA tournament. And over the last handful of years, it's, we've been successful in that NCAA tournament. Sticking in the you know theme of talking about the league as a whole, coach, and I'll, I'll I'll wrap with this. And why didn't I talk with coaches on the women's side as well? And the off season's been way different on that side as far as coaching goes, where you have one coach leaving from one school to go to another, and then you have you know Superior, who's been a dynasty. They got a brand new super young coach. Northland's got a new coach, and North Central's got a new, all around the board. There's a ton of new faces, and I know you know you look at the men's side now switching over. You got a lot of established people who we've seen for a long time and you know you're making a name for yourself as well in this league and you know we hope you're around at, at Bethany for a long long time and now you got you know Jeremy Becker over at North Central stepping in for for coach DeWitt we've talked before about the style of play that people see each and every night in UMAC basketball but take it even a step further if you will what are those coaching battles like in your opinion now that last year was the full first regular year if you will for you through the whole season into the UMAC tournament coaching against all these guys a lot of them who have been around for a long time what is that challenge like for you going up against all these other names that we have if you will throughout this conference yeah it's a, it's a big challenge you know we, there's a lot of really good coaches in, in our league there's a lot of coaches like you you touched on that have been doing this for a long time they have a lot of experience and uh uh, you know, so from a game plan and a scouting report standpoint, it, it makes it tough. There's, you know, there's some teams in our league that you that are not afraid to just throw something completely different at you that you haven't seen on film. And uh, and that's a huge credit to them that they're that they're able to get their guys ready to go and, and do those kind of things. And uh, and that makes it very challenging and night in and night out. You know, you have you have some guys that uh year in and year out are going to run their system, right? Uh, you know, obviously Northwestern and, and their motion offense, and, and you're going to have to guard a ton of screening actions and, and things. And he, he's been doing it for a long time. And, and so he, he knows the ins and the outs as well as anybody, right? So you're, uh, that's, a, that's, that's a tough matchup, and it's a big challenge. We have a lot of coaches like that that have been doing it for, for a long, long time and have had a lot of success. And so um, when you're new to the league like I was as far as from a coaching standpoint and trying to figure out, how to get an advantage and, and game plan. And uh, I'm not going to say outsmart because I'm not, I, I can't do that with anybody in our league, but just try to find a way to put our guys in the best spot. It's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, which is fun. That's what it should be about. It, it should be really challenging and, and that makes it worthwhile. Um, and there, there is, there is a lot of really, really good coaches in this league. And I think that's something you find across all levels of college basketball. I think if you look just the, there's there's some guys that'll tell you that they're division one head coaches or division one assistants that'll tell you the best coaches are at the division three level uh you've, you've had to do it all you have to find a way to figure it out you can't get by with having just unbelievable resources and facilities to, to get your talents and um you have to develop people and you have to develop your your system and and uh and so um on a night in night out basis you got to be ready to go not just our players got to be ready to go but as coaches we do too for in-game adjustments, halftime adjustments, all of that, um, which, like I said, is the way it should be. It makes it exciting. Um, 
and, uh, although I wish it sometimes at night, I wish we had had some off nights or something, but uh, <laughs> uh, with the, some easier coaching matchups, but uh, no, that's, that's the way it should be. And it's fun. And like I said, I think this league just continues to get better and better and uh, ho- hopefully we can continue to grow. And, and, and then as Bethany, hopefully we can continue to get better and better as well. Any given night, this league is uh, definitely unlike any other coach. So uh, we really do appreciate the time that you gave us, and we do hope that we can catch up later on this year once we get into the thick of conference play and we can talk some more X's and O's about your club and where we sit at that point in the UMAC. But again, really appreciate your time, and uh, Wyatt and I are looking forward to looking at some box scores and uh, staying in touch along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I really, really appreciate uh, you guys having me on. I got to tell you, I was talking with a couple of our guys today, and uh, I had no idea that they're. Uh, you got you got some fans at the pod. Hunter Nielsen, he, he's basically listened to. He was giving me the rundown. I was telling him, I was like, hey, what, what questions are they going to answer me? Ask me tonight because he he's like, hey, I was listening. Coach Gross was on there. A couple, uh, Luke from Crown was there. He was telling me all all the guys that have already been on the podcast and. So I was like, hey, you got to let me know what they're going to ask. So you, you got a big fan of Hunter for sure. And uh, a few <laughs> of our guys, I think, uh, uh, listen. So uh, if you could guys could just give us bulletin board material every week, week that would be awesome. Because <laughs> apparently our guys are, are going to be listening to you. So uh, don't pump us up. Give us give us some uh, bulletin board material. Make Hunter mad and uh, things like that to, to help us out a little bit. That'd be great. We'll be sure to do that. That's on the, the checklist for us for sure. And uh, tell Hunter we do, we do appreciate the support and all the other guys as well. So, again, Coach, thanks for the time. Thank you, guys.